Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The beaches, rainforests, and unique culture help make Puerto Rico a draw for tourists. But the island territory is still recovering from the damage from 2017's Hurricane Maria. And the people are also fighting a storm of wealthy outsiders who are buying up beachfront property and altering the way of life for the indigenous residents. And any investments from the ultra-rich are doing little to help local economies. We'll take a look at gentrification in Puerto Rico right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Tribal leaders across the country are applauding President Biden's intent to appoint Mohegan Chief Lynn Malerba as Treasurer of the United States. She would be the first ever Native American to serve in the position, among duties overseeing a new office of tribal affairs and serving as a key liaison. National Congress of American Indians President Fawn Sharp expressed her overwhelming support, saying there's much work to do in Indian country on economic development governmental tax parity for tribes, and to address capital needs. Sharp also noted the importance of having a Native American in the Treasury Department. Native representation in all levels of government was discussed last week at the National Congress of American Indians Mid-Year Gathering in Alaska. Jennifer Nelson, board chair of the Aleut Corporation, says it's great to see Native women making history in leadership roles, pointing to Deb Holland, Secretary of the Interior. You know, in my culture, very matriarchal. The women were always there supporting. You know, I watched my grandmother support local policy and and not always looked at as, you know, maybe the spotlight on her, but very heavily influenced. And, um, you know, even in the Yunungan culture, the, the women sewed the skin boats for the hunters. So they always played an integral role in making, you know, making sure that our culture survives and our people thrive. Daly Sambo, international chair of the Inuit Circumpolar Council, echoes the role of Native women and hopes to see more take leadership positions globally. Women, I at least I've, I've noticed more often than not, significance with which they ensure inclusion and um, also more transparency, uh, more effectiveness in terms of how decisions are are made when you have a woman in that position able to embrace uh, so many others and significantly we do it in our homes where those values we're able to carry them and practice them at at all scales. Sambo and Nelson made the comments during live coverage of the NCAI conference in Anchorage on native radio station KNBA. The White House announced Tuesday the president's intent to appoint Malerba as treasurer. Leaders from Maine, Hawaii, Alaska, and Minnesota are testifying Wednesday before the U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs about Indian boarding school legislation and a federal investigation. Senators are also expected to hear from Interior Department officials. National Native News will live stream the hearing at nativenews.net and on our social media pages. A thousand juvenile Chinook salmon were released last week in a creek near Bandon. As KLCC's Brian Bull reports, it's the latest effort by the Coquel tribe to restore numbers. 
The tribal members sang a song to bless the salmon, which Coquille officials say are among the first of thousands more expected to be released this year. The 2021 spawning project was done with the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife and other partners after surveys showed Chinook salmon numbers had fallen to near extinction in the area. In a video released by the tribe, Coquille Tribal Chair Brenda Mead said she's proud. Proud of the fact that we are all coming together as a community to make this happen because there is no way the tribe could have done it by themselves. We got to keep going though. This is just step one. It feels like baby steps, but it's the first thousand that are going out and it's something to celebrate. Invasive bass, climate change, and pollution are seen as factors in the decline of Chinook salmon. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. With so many organizations trying to help military veterans, it can be hard to find the right information. So AARP brings together no-charge employment and fraud prevention resources, caregiving tools, discounts, and more at aarp.org slash veterans who support this show. The Indian Loan Guarantee and Insurance Program has worked with lenders for almost 50 years, supporting them as they support you. Need startup funds or a refinance? Information at bia.gov dci, which supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. The beautiful island of Puerto Rico is facing a gentrification problem. Wealthy outside investors incentivized by tax breaks are buying up property on the island. This wealthy tax haven is pricing out some of the island's residents and deepening the class divide. This has caused more migration from Puerto Rico to the U.S. mainland. Also under threat are access to public beaches. Many Puerto Ricans and indigenous Taino people have complained about the push from developers and some local government officials to privatize the beaches. Additionally, Puerto Rico is still reeling from the devastating effects of Hurricane Maria in 2017. It was the worst natural disaster to hit Puerto Rico in recorded history and displaced many from their homes. Today, we'll take a look at the issue of gentrification in Puerto Rico and hear from Taino perspectives as well. We also want to hear from you. What questions do you have about Puerto Rico? Are you in a community facing a gentrification problem? Tell us more. The number to call, one 800 9962848 that's also 1-800-99 native our first guest is speaking with us from new york roberto barrero is the president of the united confederation of taino people he is taino roberto you've been on native america calling before thanks for talking with us again uh home thank you brother for having me absolutely so what's going on in Puerto Rico? Is this another story of a unique area catching the eye of ultra-rich outside interests who move in and completely disrupt the way of life for local people? Yes, I think it's another in the ongoing 500-year uh, campaign of genocide against indigenous peoples in the hemisphere. It's just a part of it. You know, the Puerto Rico and the Caribbean islands were the first point of impact uh, for the colonization of the... Americas and uh, you know this ongoing uh, colonization and and this this 
part of it, this gentrification process uh, should really seen as, as, as being a part and parcel of that assault on our peoples and our cultures and the environment. Well, I understand Puerto Rico saw a record number of visitors last year. People are also moving to Puerto Rico. They're buying property. What's the attraction here? Well, you know, Christopher Columbus, when when he came to the islands, he described he described them as the closest thing to paradise on earth. And so our ancestors were blessed uh, with that year-round growing season, uh, mostly favorable weather. And uh, because at that time we were closer to the environment and, and had our ceremonies really set on, on the changes, uh, uh, the seasonal changes, you know, the hurricanes and, and things like that were not as intense as a result of climate change. You know, we have these more intense storms and, and other uh, environmental uh, impacts that are increasing. However, uh, as you noted, uh, tourism is increasing once again. People are starting to come out. Uh, you know, they're 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 uh, as a result of that lessening of the of the COVID-related restrictions. They're starting to venture out, and 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 Puerto Rico is a destination. It's been a destination for for 500 years for other people to come in there and uh, reap those resources uh, from the island. And um, you mentioned also people looking for tax breaks. This is another thing that, that's been attracting folks. And, and uh, there are a number of so-called incentives put forward by uh, the governments that, you know, really make it attractive to, uh, for example, hedge fund uh, managers and other professionals, full-time traders and other high net worth professionals to come there and seek uh, residency so that they can reap uh, these rewards and uh, take advantage of, of those breaks to enhance themselves. The, the problem is, is that, you know, while they're enhancing and, and uh, becoming rich themselves, we don't really see any benefit uh, really coming to local people, especially not to Taino people, but to, to Puerto Ricans overall. Okay, so... Uh, tourists are coming in, they're flocking to the island. You also have some of these very wealthy individuals that are buying up property. So what's going on? How is this impacting the local Puerto Rican people there? Well, you know, as you mentioned, uh, we're still reeling from the impacts of, of Hurricane Maria. Uh, Puerto Rico itself has uh, been in a, in a kind of a recession for quite some time. You know, there was a in the day, in the times of our ancestors, we were totally self-sufficient. You know, as uh, the Spaniards came in, and then later on in 1898, the United States, there was a shift in that kind of self-reliance, and they moved more and more to to make the people reliant on outside forces, and so you know, local agriculture and just the local economy was not touted as much as, as coming in, things coming in from outside, especially the United States. There was a series of laws enacted. You know, we can't even get goods uh, shipped in, you know, without having to send the goods first to to the U.S. And then they get transferred onto boats there and then come back. That's, that's part of what's called the Jones Act and come back to the island. So you can imagine all this puts strain on the economy. And all those uh, earlier incentives, uh, 
you know, before uh, 2006, there was a focus on really getting these uh, manufacturing companies, more particularly pharmaceuticals, to come and set up shop there again with the with the idea that they would contribute uh, to the local economy, but. It, it didn't do those things in the same in the way that that they were promoted to the people. So after those kind of incentives were were nullified, uh, many of those uh, those uh, businesses or those corporations moved out, and the local government had to come up with other incentives. And so they uh, enacted a series of of uh, tax breaks in 2012 that would allow other people. Uh, to come in there and reap the benefits if they could uh, become quote unquote bona fide bona fide citizens or right? bona fide residents uh, of the island, and so you know this has been attracting and continues to attract all these other folks. How it impacts is because they put strain on resources that are already strained. Uh, they're not really contributing. In other words, uh, making jobs for for local people that we don't really see a high impact of that. And, uh, you know, as you open up to more and more tourists, there's more ventures such as hotels and, 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 and other tourist uh, uh, investments that really damage the property, like our coastal uh, mangroves and estuaries. And, and that in itself really has a, a lot of impact because we saw, especially during the uh, in response to the hurricane, what what local people were doing was moving back to relying on on really traditional methods of, of in, engaging with with the local environment to make up for the things that they lost. So you know, relying on local coastal foods during those times um, really really helped out. But as as more impact comes, you know this this really stops people from doing that and, and stops people from engaging that. So that even impacts the impoverishment of the local communities uh, even more. Okay. And then what about the impact on real estate? Because these folks are, are buying up properties. Uh, as I understand it, uh, housing prices are going through the roof there. Are, are local Puerto Rican people able to still afford to live in their homes? Well, you know, I think that they're trying to move it much in the same way as uh, what they've done in, in Hawaii. You know, it's very hard for, for local uh, Native Hawaiians to access that, that housing uh, market without, you know, equitable assistance. And the same thing I feel, in my opinion, and in the opinion that, uh, at least in the view of the United Confederation of Taino People, you know, we've been trying, for example, to set up a, a center, community center there and trying to locate a property. Uh, to engage, to establish a, an embassy in association with the Guinea Taino tribe, uh, the confederation. But what we've seen is that the market has the, all these uh, Bitcoin and, and, and cryptocurrency folks who've been buying up have really increased the market so much that a lot of uh, folks who really have no choice uh, are thinking that you know, it's going to be some kind of windfall payday have raised, you know, all these prices have gone up. And so this is making it very hard for us to engage in that way to, to contribute to the economic, social, and, and well-being of, of our indigenous community. 
right, on the island. And so, yeah, we're seeing those prices making it very difficult for people to engage in, in that in that sort of, of, of action, local people, where it's easier for folks coming in with, with large resources and, and different types of assistance uh, to get access to that. Well, these 2012 tax breaks that were enacted about 10 years ago, those seem to really parallel the huge increase in, in wealth that's been created over the last decade or so, uh, especially here in the U.S. with financial markets just really raring. So, yeah, it just seems like a, a really auspicious situation where you have a lot of people uh, with a lot of new money and they've got these really tax-friendly opportunities to move to this new location. It's not that far from the U.S., right? It's a quick flight, so it's easy to get back and forth uh, if people want to do that. So I can see definitely the motivation for these folks that, that want to move there, but obviously it's it's creating a huge, huge impact on the local community, environmentally, economically, culturally. We're going to talk a lot more about this issue. We've got more guests on the show that are going to share their thoughts and and their experience and, and their uh, talk more about <clears throat> their connection to the island of, of Puerto Rico, their culture, their history. And if anybody has a question, if you've got a comment, if you'd like to learn more about Puerto Rico today, we've got the guests who can provide that information. 1-800-996-2848. Again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. We are talking about Puerto Rican gentrification and this huge influx of tourists and investors who are buying up property, they're changing the landscape, they're bringing their values and their culture into a, a community and impacting indigenous people and other locals. So give us a call. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We're going to be back after a short break. The causes of inflation are complex and unpredictable, but in the end, the problem boils down to how much it puts a financial squeeze on individuals and families. We'll get ideas on the ways to approach rising costs and explore how long the current inflation cycle might last. That's on the next Native America Calling. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're taking a look at gentrification on the island of Puerto Rico. It's a class issue steeped in history and colonialism. Are you seeing any similarities from tourism and economic development in your community? Join the conversation. We're at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-99-NATIVE. Speaking with us now from Brick, New Jersey, is Gualterio Alomar. He is the president of the Organization for Culture of Hispanic Origins. He is Taino. Gualterio, how often do you visit Puerto Rico, and what are you hearing from folks on the island? 
Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, first, of all, well, I go back home uh, often uh, every year, and if I can, uh, more than once a year. And quite honestly, everybody in the island is very concerned. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of gentrification that's happening on the island, and people are afraid of losing their homes, losing their property. But more importantly, they're afraid of their homeland becoming something else, something else that they've never seen before. And, um, you know, people are, are very terrified. They're very concerned. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and I've heard stories of people walking up to homeowners in Puerto Rico and just handing them a blank check. No questions, just telling them, fill in whatever amount you think your home is worth and we'll buy it. That's just crazy. Yeah, well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are happening on the island that is, that's going unannounced that a lot of people are just simply unaware of. And it doesn't just make it doesn't make the local papers or it doesn't make the, the, the media here on, on, on the mainland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, the, the, there are many homes that have been abandoned or there are many homes that people have been unable to maintain since Hurricane Maria had struck the island. And it's going on uh, five years. This September 20th will be the, the five-year anniversary of Hurricane Maria, you know, t- uh, striking the island and taking the lives of over 4,645 victims. And a lot of these people were, have to, had to walk away from their homes uh, because they weren't in any position to rebuild the homes, and the government... Uh, refuse to help them rebuild those homes. So uh, because of that, a lot of people just had to simply walk away and abandon homes that had been in their families for generations. And with no hope in sight, you know, they just had to basically just leave the island, abandon it. And and now hedge funds and and people and private citizens, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. mostly Americans, are coming into the island and they're just, you know, uh, buying up not just one property, they're buying up blocks of property. You know, and particularly they want to take the, 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 the best areas, you know, right along the coastline. And, and, and they just they, they want to turn it into one big giant resort, the island of Puerto Rico. And if this thing continues this way, uh, we are going to become the serving class in our own country. Oh, geez. Well, resorts have been central to Puerto Rico's tourist economy for years. But now there's also demand for short term rentals, too. What's the impact with those? Well, the short-term rentals, the people that are, are – well, that's part of the investment. I mean, people are going out there and they're investing their, their, uh, their A, B, and B, uh, certain properties, and it's just a turnover for themselves. Now, now they can, uh, you know, rent it out to anyone from all over the world who wants to visit Puerto Rico, you know, for 5000 a week, 2000 a week if they're going to, you know, if they're going to visit the island. So the people that are buying this up, not only are they making money, you know, uh, uh, they're making money hand over fist because they're – they're using it solely for uh, vacation spots for, for other people. So they're just renting them out or leasing them out, and, and they're making money hand over fist. And it's not, it's, it doesn't impact the economy of Puerto Rico. It's only impacting the sole homeowner. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, is that even with all, these, uh, all the businesses that are operating out there, they're not impacting the economy of Puerto Rico because the majority of the businesses that are operating out there in Puerto Rico do not contribute to the economy. All the money that they earn is repatriated back to the United States. So like when you and I and everyone else in this country, you know, we pay taxes, those taxes go to build roads, highways, and hospitals. In Puerto Rico, that's not the case. Walmart, Kmart, Target, and all these other um, companies that are operating in Puerto Rico, that money is repatriated back to the United States. So they don't contribute to the economy. They don't contribute to the infrastructure. And there's been uh, much damage since the hurricane, and there's still some places that are, are still in disrepair. 
and in particularly the grid, and there is no money coming in steadily. Now, they may create jobs because they're operating these businesses in Puerto Rico, but again, the bottom line is that the money is not staying in Puerto Rico and it's not going to the economy of Puerto Rico, and therefore okay. the island continues to go down the drain. Okay. Well, and then I'm interested, aside from, from this financial, uh, this leakage in the economy, let's talk more about Puerto Rico's coastal and wetland areas. I mean, as these rural areas see an influx of people, is it impacting local and indigenous culture? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because what they're doing is they're pushing the indigenous people out. You know, we're all being pushed out of our, our island. We're all being pushed out of, off our land. That's why they're writing, uh, they're cutting checks, you know, with, uh, you know, and saying, hey, you know, you can fill in whatever dollar amount you want. And then when they come in, not only, it's not that they, like, the, it's not like they build up the land, they destroy it. You know, t- they want to take over certain properties and certain uh, uh, indigenous land and, and just turn it into a resort, turn it into a spa, you know. So they're, they're don't, they don't appreciate the culture. They are a, an alien uh an alien entity that's coming into the country and they just want to basically do, do the same thing that they did here to our other brothers, uh, just take over everything and turn it into uh, a, a money-making industry. Now, local governments there on the island, are they addressing these issues effectively? Now, the local government in Puerto Rico is basically a dummy government. Uh, the local government has no real authority in Puerto Rico. Uh, everything that happens in Puerto Rico is dictated by the United States. They set the price. They set the. They they determine the politics of the island. They determine uh, what happens, uh, how the island is, is basically going to be run. Those that are in office, like the governor and the, and and all these and all the mayors from all these different towns, they manage the day to day day to day infrastructure of what's going on. But everything has you have to get permission uh, from the United States if, if you want to do anything in Puerto Rico. You know, which makes no sense. That's why it's not a self-governing island. Okay. And, Gualterio, you recently spoke at the United Nations. Uh, did you talk about these issues with the U.N.? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I, I've been speaking at the United Nations uh, for several years, along with one of my compañeras, I believe, that she's on the show, Ty. Uh, I believe I saw her there uh, once or twice. And I, 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 make this, uh, I make this a public issue. And I, I speak my piece, and I, did, I, I tell the United Nations what is currently happening on the island, what is the cause of gentrification, I mean, what is the effects of gentrification, what is uh, the effect of, colon, of colonization and, and genocide that has happened, that has happened on the island since 1898, you know, since the United States first uh, uh, invaded Puerto Rico. So, I'm, you know, I, I make a plea. You know, to the United Nations and, and, and to the to the rest of the world, because the you know the Russian Federation, uh, Western Sahara, and there are many other uh, nations that are, that attend this session. And so, you know, I, I make these pleas. Uh, I make the plea to the to these uh, uh, neighboring nations as well as to the United Nations to take action and take our call to the General Assembly, so that uh, we can sort we can be uh, taken seriously into consideration. Okay, well. Any listeners with a question or comment, 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. Well, Terry, let, let's talk more uh, about the local people, indigenous people, working class people. Uh, how are they managing? Uh, it's a fight. It's a, it's a struggle. Uh, you know, we're holding off for life. We're, we're holding off for land. Uh, you know, it, it's a very difficult issue because... 
you know, we're fighting, we're fighting dollars, you know, because it's, 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 again, it's Americans that are coming in with, you know, with, uh, with lots of money and they want to take over land. And, you know, we're out there, we protest, uh, you know, we write letters, uh, you know, we, we picket and, and we, you know, we continue to struggle in the fight to, to maintain what is left of our homeland. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a long haul because it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, justice rose moves very slow. So, uh, you know, we, we just have to continue and we have to get the word out, which is also very important. Education is the key. A lot of people are unaware of what's happening out there. And, and if we can spread the word to other neighboring nations, such as, you know, the Dominican Republic and Cuba and, and, and some of these other neighboring islands, as well as our, our brothers and sisters here, the indigenous people are on, on the mainland, then perhaps we can unify and maybe one day we could do a, a million man march uh, on D.C. and let the people know and let the government know out loud what is actually happening and what we want and that, uh, you know, we want to maintain ourselves, maintain our land and maintain our culture. Okay. Gualterio, thank you for all those insights and that information. Zulma Oliveras is an activist, counselor, and LGBTQ plus advocate. She is Taino and speaking with us from the San Juan area in Puerto Rico. Zulma, I want to welcome you to the show and, and, and tell us more. When did Puerto Rico first become a destination for the rich? Hello there. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I think Puerto Rico has become an area for the rich since they first landed food over here, starting from the Spaniards, and Puerto Rico became a profit uh, for the colonizers. I can also tell you that from the perspective of an advocate who works with survivors of domestic violence and immigrants and children with disabilities, and uh, I also identify as two spirits. So. Um, these factors has been also really hard for us to survive here on the island, um, including the the fact that we have been erased from the census, so that people could really see that we're visible and that we're here, and that uh, the history books did us wrong about our identity. So from that point, and the work that I do for survivors of domestic violence women and queer Afro-Indigenous too. Um, I keep on advocating for these single parents, single moms that are being uh, victims of displacement and also victims of the Act 22 and Act 20 that gives the benefit to the foreigners and the rich people and their investments and continues to impoverish and discredit our local people uh, to the point that if you look at it as a survivor of domestic violence um, and you're kicked out of your home because uh, you're queer or you're trans, then uh, you start couch surfing because there's no places for you to uh, receive all these services about housing. Um, but on the other hand, there's this luxury real estate uh, monster that is coming here where the Puerto Ricans' income is less than $20,000 a year, and we cannot afford uh, to have this kind of housing, but instead we keep being in the displacement, gentrification cycles uh, okay. to the point that it's really hard. 
Zuma, you you mentioned uh, two spirit people being discriminated against. So, are you saying that that some of this discrimination is the direct result of this gentrification that's increasing there in Puerto Rico? Not just the gentrification, but also uh, the older beliefs about Judeo Christians that our own people, also elders, have. Uh, we have inherited not only the trauma of this uh, colonization, but also we inherited certain views that also promote uh, still homophobia. And, um, you know, we also suffer incidents of hate crime. So um, it's not really that far uh, from any other type of uh, hate crimes that the world is also uh, continue to suffering. Okay, okay. And, and what are some other impacts on uh, Taino culture that you're seeing with the onslaught of all these new people on the island? Um, I have noticed that people are also coming from the diaspora to uh, to establish here support. And um, I grew, I basically lived half of my life in the diaspora as well. And so all the that I have learned about being indigenous, I am grateful for meeting other people in the diaspora uh, so that I can be who I am. And um, I think that there's a few groups that are organizing themselves to defend lands and natural resources um, because we also have a lot of abandonment of structures um, that the government uh, doesn't really take care of. And so we have... Uh, a lot of pollution as well. And these communities that are inhabited by indigenous and Afro-descendant communities, the majority are poor, and they're also neglected by the state uh, of the two ruling parties and the federal establishment. Um, so there's a lot of, of work to do so that these voices can be heard and uh, basic human rights like housing can be implemented. Okay. Well, well, Terrio mentioned that there have been some protests, and obviously there are a lot of people there on the island that are that are really unhappy and, and, and really concerned about all these new people there. So what what is just kind of the day-to-day relations between these outsiders coming in with a lot of money, buying up property, changing the landscape, uh, just creating so much havoc on, on the, the traditional way of life there? On the island, what what are what are the interactions there with locals? Are are, are they are, do is there a lot of tension there and, and animosity amongst the two groups of people? I think the locals have become like positive vigilantes in a way because uh, you know sometimes vigilantes are in a negative context for what is happening in the Mexico border. Um, so I want to say that these vigilantes here in our oceans and our coast are the ones that are going to be able to save uh, these spaces that are sanctuaries for us, for the nature. And these laws, they have to be eradicated because they keep attracting the attention of the high-tech billionaires and cryptocurrency investors. Um, so that, that that's a danger there for us locals because uh, it just promotes Another type of sanctuary for tax evasion and displacement in of Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I just ca- make a call to people to be more conscious and aware and mindful of 
their surroundings and and if you see something happening to notify it and um, if you're going to come here to the island, I hope you come here for the better of the people and to help us uh, to become another type of uh, community here, united, because that's also what we need. We need unification from all parts and allies. And even if you're not visibly a person of color, if your colorism tells you that you're white, then it's time to do reparations and help other people uh, who have been really in their DNA having to survive all all these historical traumas. Uma, thank you for for providing all this background and and sharing your experience there on the island. And and I'm glad you, you know, you mentioned that and and gave some some advice to people that come and visit the island, because we're going to talk more about about solutions or, or what needs to occur. And, and one thing I'm thinking with the way that capital markets are reeling right now, maybe some of these cryptocurrency people aren't going to have as much money to invest in Puerto Rico going forward. But at any rate, uh, we got one more break to take and we'll be right back to finish the show. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about gentrification in Puerto Rico today. What are your thoughts on the issue? Have you been to Puerto Rico? If so, what did you think? Still time to share your comments on air, 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. Joining us now from New York is Tai Pelly. She is the International Relations and Human Rights Officer for the United Confederation of Taino People. She is Taino. Ty, thank you as well for joining us today. And let's talk more about the beaches that are being impacted in Puerto Rico. How are they important to the Tiano people? Uh, Thank you for this great invitation and for this uh, dialogue that um, as I'm listening to um, my brothers and sister, uh, I have all kinds of notes and um, it's, it's, a subject that we can be uh, spending a lot more than an hour uh, to address and and for your audience to truly understand the ramifications of colonialism and how that impacts us as indigenous peoples and uh, the entire population of peoples in uh, the archipelago of Boricain. Um I am a, a person from the coast and not only do we see the impact that obviously climate change is is having and and how it is affecting our lives and and one thing and and as a taquina a teacher historian of our peoples i cannot miss out on the opportunity of explaining that the main island of boriqueng was described as having the thickest forest from its very shores, that it almost seemed impenetrable. And yet, the, 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 the big island, the main island of Boriqueng, of Puerto Rico, 
has the highest deforestation rate among states and territories of the um, uh, empire, uh, also known as the United States of America. Uh, among the things, and besides climate change, as our relatives mentioned before, um, obviously there's a, a great interest on, on building and, and creating more resorts and, and, and uh, buildings of the like. But at the same time, one, it is taking, it's taking our own resources and access to the beaches. We say las playas son del pueblo. The beaches belong to the people. And yet we, are, we have been seeing for the longest time the, the not just displacement, but also the taking over of land that does not belong to these projects. There's also the destruction of wetlands that are detrimental to, to our own environment, to our own sacred places that because of these constructions, again, being uh, indigenous peoples that are islanders, our connection with the water, just the, the ocean, the rivers, etc., connect us to those coastal areas as well. And yet, understanding that Puerto Rico has the biggest, or the, uh, the largest amount of archaeological sites per square mileage, this is also being impacted and the United States, and hence, as our brother uh, uh, Walterio also mentioned, um, this, this insular government that, in my opinion, it's really just a, a puppet of what the empire does, do not acknowledge and allow us to exercise our right to free, prior, and informed consent, which is a right that we have as indigenous peoples. Well, Ty, <clears throat> there's also talk uh, of these beaches becoming privatized. Can you talk about that? Yes, and, and uh, there is a, a movement uh, because I, although, as, as Suma herself has been a participant, Gualterio, myself, Mucaro, all of us have been participating in different types of manifestations, but for the longest time, our people in the island are fragmented when it comes to the struggles because there are so many, Sean. So, for mm -hmm. example, we went from uh, the battle that we had in, in Rincón, on the southwestern side of the island, right, where they were going to do this, this um, swimming pool that was already in what we called the uh, terrestrial maritime area, which really belongs to the people cannot privatize that. And yet because of um, either permits that are given out illegally or just the, the, the land grabbing, you know, these structures, and, these structures and destruction take place in different parts of the island. So not yet had our people finished, you know, the, the legal process, of it, et cetera, and, 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 and camping out in Rincón, what we called um, uh, Campamento Carey, right? Because it was, believe it or not, the, 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 the turtle, the sea turtle is sacred for us as Taino people. And it wasn't until this huge um, sea turtle 
came and she had 80 eggs in that area. And it was almost like, for us, like a spiritual experience because you could see the power that that had. And it was just interesting that the operation was stopped right around that time. But hmm. just as it was happening in the in the southwest of the um, in the south I mean in the southwest of the island, right, and, and the western side of the island, the same has been happening in areas such as you know in in the south in the area of Salinas in the in the uh, the area of Loiza, where we have a huge Afro-Taino community, and again as our sister Suma mentioned, uh, we our our salary is less in the island than the poorest state in the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, Ty, I want to ask you, um, so first of all, I I really appreciate just uh, so much knowledge you have and just explaining the situation. I I can visualize it, just what you're describing, and it's really, really impactful. But, But what do you think, I mean, what needs to happen going forward? to address these gentrification issues and all of these other challenges uh, facing the island of Puerto Rico. Now, you've mentioned several times autonomy. Is, is is that what needs to happen? Does Puerto Rico need to become autonomous from the United States, or, or, or what is another solution? Well, uh, um, from my perspective, and I will not speak about my organization. This is strictly Taipei. I do believe that we have a right to be free. Uh, we have been invaded twice, first by what we understand now as Spain, and in 1898, illegally overtaken and handed out by Spain um, to the United States. Um, one of the things that we have endured as indigenous peoples is the worst form of discrimination in my view, which is that of invisibility and that one of identity theft. We could be anything except India. So the way I see it, you know, the tentacles of colonialism uh, and dominant and imposed religion has just transmuted on, 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 on that genocide. We continue okay. to live environmental racism, environmental violence, uh, and, and, and the impact that that has in our intergenera- intergenera- um, <laughs> uh, intergenerational um, survival. Okay, is, okay. Is Ty, huge. I, I want to, so, okay, and I'm, I'm sorry, Ty, but I, I do want to ask some of our other guests as well what their thoughts are on how Puerto Rico can, can address these issues. Roberto, where do you, what do you think needs to happen there on, on the island? <sighs> Well, I think one thing is, uh, you know, folks are definitely calling for a moratorium on any development that goes on in those uh, terrestrial maritime zones that that Ty Pelly, uh, that my sister uh, Ty Pelly mentioned. Uh, that that's one thing. The other thing is that, you know, there is, uh, you know, we talk about Puerto Rico, and you and you mentioned a few times, you know, the impacts on the indigenous population. I think that there's, it needs to be understood that there's a local. Uh, population, right? Uh, and there's an indigenous population, and, and those two are not always the same thing. And uh, you know that that also needs to be highlighted because that that uh, lends itself to the what Ty was saying about invisibility, where we're kind of all put into one basket, 
and uh, you know that that's you know even in amongst our own community uh, on the island across the various communities that's not often understood and you know as i mentioned before people can come in and establish residency and then they're they have just as much rights as as the indigenous peoples right and and sometimes even more right uh, because of the, the classism and the other things that, that you mentioned so that recognition uh, and the ability for indigenous peoples to engage in our in our right of self-determination i also think that that that's important and then just very quickly you know, the U.S. Virgin Islands has an exemption to the Jones Act uh, that I mentioned, and uh, Puerto Rico doesn't doesn't have that exemption. And I think that that's one thing that, that would assist, besides getting rid of the financial board that uh, the U.S. also imposed upon the island of Promesa. And, uh, you know, we could talk more about that at another time. But, you know, these are these are institutions and bodies that, that, that promote these austerity uh, mechanisms that, again, just really benefit Wall Street and don't benefit anybody on the island except for the people who are engaged in, in those processes. Okay. And Roberto, like I mentioned, uh, when we first started talking, sadly, this is a story that I think many of us have heard before in many different indigenous populations around the world. And are you looking at other indigenous communities, other historical examples of, of how indigenous people have have addressed these challenges throughout the history of colonialism, really? Of course, we've, you know, we've engaged uh, in the international indigenous people's movement uh, for over 30 years. It's been a part of the process to uh, promote and ultimately have adopted the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So we're always interchanging. But I think that until we have our own space, which is what we're working towards now, that can really be a phase and, and a focal point for our people and the various Taino communities that live on the island. I don't want to say that the UCTP or the Confederation represents all, but a place where all of us can come and sit around the table to really tackle these issues uh, in a unified manner. I think that that's going to be really important. And, you know, yes, we will take uh, advice from other people, but, uh, but also I think that our resilience, that the fact that we still remain after everything that's been done to us over these past 500 years is also an example for other indigenous peoples. And the sacred hoop is not going to be mended until we're a full part of that hoop as well. I have another question for Gualterio. Uh, Gualterio, the mangroves, the wetlands, these coastal areas that are being infringed upon, they're not just biodiverse ecosystems, they also offer economic benefits. Can you talk about those? Uh, well, if I, if I could, I'd like to add to a little bit to the previous question to what the brothers and sisters were saying about uh, what sure. to do in Puerto Rico. Please do. Yeah. So uh, very quickly, because I know we're getting short on time. Um, one of the what we have to do is continue to educate the general public and we have to put pressure on the powers that be, which is the government of the United States, to demand that Puerto Rico believe, become an independent nation. That's I believe in an independent Puerto Rico. And I actually have a plan on how uh, how the island can operate uh, in, a, in an independent position. Another thing that we can do is as a conglomerate or as a cooperative, we have to start, if possible, taking advantage of some of those tax breaks that are that are uh, happening in the island, like uh, for example, there's been over 600 schools that have closed in Puerto Rico over the last 10 years because of austerity measures. 
those schools have now become available to the general public. So if you can put a business plan together, you can take one of those schools and turn it into a community center, a shelter for domestic violence. You can provide mental health or drug treatment. The school, will, the government of Puerto Rico will lease the school to you or sell you the school depending upon what the, what the circumstances are at that time. So that is one of the ways that we can help contribute back to the island and we can start taking back our island. Unfortunately, we may have to buy it back or invest in the island in order to keep it out of their hands. Okay. So about that, they can just reach out to me and I can, I can give you more detailed information about that as well as uh, you know, any, anything else you may need. Okay, yeah. And we do have about a minute to go. And, and the reason I was asking about the economic benefits, because I think sometimes when we hear this story, we think about the, the, eco, uh, the ecological and the environmental impacts of all of this development, and especially the impact on these, these rural areas, these coastal areas. But, but I think it's important that, that listeners understand that in addition to being these ecosystems, they do offer economic benefits as well. So even just the, the apparently the traditional aspects of Taino life and it promoted an economy there for those people that and that's being disrupted too could you comment on that um Gualterio just in, a, in about a minute yeah it's that stuff uh what, what the um, the bioluminescent bay that was off of the, in uh that that was uh, near Vieques I believe um that is fading the 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 environmental uh beauty of the island is is fading away slowly because of this contamination yes it was uh, uh, you know, a, a sense of, uh, of you know people coming in, and it was it was a way to to generate revenue. Uh, but unfortunately, the revenue now that's being generated is not going to the local community. It's not going to the indigenous people. It's going to the same people that have basically taken over the island. So you know, and and it is and it's 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 detrimental. It's it's a it's it's a horror that the bay is not lighting up. That that what's happening to you know to the indigenous wildlife uh, is being destroyed solely for dollars and cents. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank all of our guests today, Roberto, Gualterio, Ty, and Zulma. I enjoyed talking with you all, and I appreciate you taking the time to educate and inform our listeners about gentrification issues in Puerto Rico. We're back again tomorrow with a show about the I-word, inflation. How is your family getting by with the price hikes? Join us tomorrow. We'll talk with some experts on managing household expenses. I'm Sean Spruce. Thanks for listening. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications for the upcoming school year are now accepted at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. The Indian Loan Guarantee and Insurance Program has worked with lenders for almost 50 years, supporting them as they support you. Need new equipment or working capital? Information at bia.gov slash dci, which supports this show. <laughs> CMSR Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Quantic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.